Live from the blanket fort. Sweet, sweet blanket fort. <laughs> the lights are a twinkling. Clark, the lights are twinkling. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, I just have to say that I do need to go to the vice principal's office. Uh-oh, what'd you do? If you remember from a previous episode, I can't remember which one it was, but I was talking about the creative team behind Gem and the Holograms, and I said that I thought that it was G.I. Joe and He-Man. Yeah. But it was actually G.I. Joe and the Transformers. Oh, that's right. I remember that discussion. Yeah, so it was Hasbro. Bro? Hasbro? I said Hasbro. Hasbro. (laughs) (laughs) Hasbro, Sumbo Productions, and Marvel Productions together. They did both of those? They did all three. Or all three? They did Gem and the Holograms, G.I. Joe and Transformers. Ah, but not He-Man. Correct. Okay. So. Well, listen. No shame in my game. I have no problem admitting when I was wrong. And I was already questioning it when I said it. I can remember both of us being very nervous to take a stand. (laughs) So nervous. (laughs) So we're here at the end of summertime. We're getting close to the end. And I'm not mad about that because, you know... I'm a fall girl. I love autumn, pumpkins, crisp air. It's already smelling like fall in our house, (laughs) I will say. I did burn a pumpkin candle that I had left over from last year, yesterday, and it was like a heat wave. We, we We actually got like a heat warning on our phones. Heat advisory. Heat advisory. But in my heart, I'm ready. So we're clinging to the end of summer here in our podcast. But you know, in my heart, it's spooky season already. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much Halloween. <laughs> pretty much. So to go along with summertime, we need to talk about summer vacations. Yes. So where were some places that you and your family would go when you were a kid? So we were like all over the place. Yeah. And you know how great my memory is. But the ones I can remember, we'd go camping in like the Adirondacks. Yeah. And at one point we had a like coachman camper van that was actually our main vehicle. Okay. But you could also camp in it. But I think on that Adirondack trip, we stayed in a small tent together. Hmm. Your whole family? Yeah. I don't think it was all of us at that point. It was maybe three kids rather than the five. Okay. And I don't know if there was a friend on that trip, but we'd go camping like that. I have to say every time you talk about the Adirondacks, I just immediately envision an Adirondack chair. Well, I would say that's where they originated. (laughs) And I would hope that you sat in an Adirondack chair while in the Adirondacks. I'm sure at some point I did, but on this one I did not because we were out in the middle of the woods. It's very upsetting, but go ahead. I remember trying to find gold in a stream. (laughs) Did you find any? No, I did not. Did you find your pot of gold? My pot of gold, I missed it. I'm just being British and not Irish, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'd go to Iowa to visit my stepdad's family. And then we took like a big trip once where we went to Indianapolis and then to California and then to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. 
back to Indy and then drove back. Did you fly or drive? We drove to Indy, flew to California, flew to Albuquerque, flew to Indy, drove back from Indy. Okay. Intricate. (laughs) Those are the main ones that I can remember. All right. What about you? Well, we were pretty consistent. It was always Florida, I guess, because it's like the closest beach. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. We just never went to like Myrtle Beach or anything like that, which right. really was kind of the same distance. But I don't know why my parents just liked going to Florida. Yeah. I think because my dad had lived in Daytona briefly, like when he was 18. Oh, did he? And so I think he just always liked the Florida beaches. Anyway, that's why we always went to Florida. We shifted around a little bit where we would go, like Daytona, Panama City. But we spent many years, I've talked about it before, going and renting a beach house in St. George Island. And is that like mid Florida? That's like in the Gulf. Okay. I don't know exactly where. Like I haven't been since I was a teenager. Was it pretty? Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, not like turquoise waters or anything. No? No. Oh, okay. I don't recall turquoise waters until I was older and going to like South Beach. I mean, Destin has turquoise waters. I know, but. Does Panama City not? It does. Hmm. I mean, not as pretty as like. Other places, I feel, at least not from what I've witnessed. Right. I think probably at certain times of the day, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's all about lighting and- Lack of red tides. in the water. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because when we were in Panama City for our bachelor, bachelorette, it was not pretty water, really. It was not. And it was red tide. Yeah, it was gross. I don't think you really wanted to get in the water that much. (laughs) No, that was like the worst time. Aside from the following week, which was a giant hurricane that came through. Yeah. Those were probably the worst times to be in Panama City. Absolutely. (laughs) Red tide and hurricane season. (laughs) But yeah, so we would do that. And then, you know, I've mentioned the cabin that we had. And the cabin got in the way of a lot of beach vacations for several years. Yeah. Which is why my parents eventually sold it. Were you happy when they sold it? Yes. You were? I mean, I was a little sad because I had just gotten used to us going there all the time. You're like, why can't we just do both? Yeah. Because I wasn't thinking about money, you know. But at the end of the day, I think my parents really missed going to the beach and stuff. So that's why they did it, because they couldn't afford to do both. Yeah. And we would never go to Disney World, like, to stay and do Disney for the whole week. But we would, if we were staying in, like, Daytona or New Smyrna, where it was just, like, an hour or so, uh, we would go drive over there for the day. Oh, would you? And then come back at night mm. where I would fall asleep in the car, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but my parents definitely were not theme park people. Yeah. So I was lucky I got to go at all. <laughs> and speaking of vacations. In honor of these vacations. We had to cover National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> came out in 1983. Such a good one. So good. I feel like we've watched it a couple times just from rewatching it and then watching like documentaries and stuff like that too. Yeah. yeah, we found a really good documentary from I think it was from like the Bio Channel or something yeah. like that. So it was originally based on a short story by John Hughes which was called Vacation 58 that was published in the National Lampoon magazine. Did you ever read that magazine? No, I remember the covers. Mhm. But I never read it. I think I was just too young. I didn't read it either. So this was directed by Harold Ramis, who sadly passed away in 2014. It wasn't his first movie, but I think it was his first comedy. I could go to the VP's office for that, but pretty sure it was his first comedy. It's funny to think that it was before Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like he was writing Ghostbusters 
when like they were doing reshoots, I think. No, he was writing Ghostbusters when he found out how much of a hit this was. That's right. Because so it, was it was a big hit. He was in after, like Martha's yeah. Vineyard or something right, like right. that. And they were finding out that it made all its money back in like the first weekend. I think it dethroned like Return of the Jedi and Jaws something. That's um, huge. Yeah. So it was big. And it was so big and so successful that they did four sequels. They did European Vacation in 85, Christmas Vacation in 89. Yes. Vegas Vacation in 97 and then Vacation in 2015, which I have not watched the 2015 version. Oh, have you not? No. Have you? Yeah, I've watched it. Really? Yeah. And we were together then. Yeah. I did feel like you did watch it. Maybe you just don't I remember I might have it. just blocked it out. Who played Russ? Uh, I think it's uh, the Is guy it from H- The Office. Ed yeah, Helms? Ed Helms. Yeah. Okay. I think I was confusing that with a different movie. Yeah. I might be. And is it Christina Applegate with him? I as think his wife? so. I was thinking Jennifer Aniston, but I think that's a different movie. It is. That's the one that I was thinking about. It's like Meet the Morgans or something. Yeah. Anyway. I don't think I saw the Vegas. 97 one. Yeah, the Vegas Vacation. I did see that one. I don't really remember anything about it. Yeah. But definitely watched the first three a lot growing yes, up. absolutely. So I think everyone knows. It's the Griswolds. Yeah, it follows the Griswold family as they road trip from Chicago, Illinois to California with a lot of stops along the way that Clark has planned out meticulously. Yes, as he does. And the final destination, of course, is Wally World, which is basically like Disneyland. Yeah. And unfortunately, there are a lot of mishaps along their journey. Some Clark W. Griswold mishaps. (laughs) Classic Clark. Classic Clark. But it was really funny, you know, to watch them fail. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was Eugene Levy, I think, that was talking about the amount of, he called it LPMs, laughs per minute, Yeah, was high. So that was good. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So this is starring Chevy Chase, the man himself as Clark W. Griswold. Beverly D'Angelo as Ellen Griswold. I had a huge crush on her. Yeah. Back in the day. Makes sense. You do see her boobs a lot. Yes. (laughs) Speaking of seeing her boobs, Anthony Michael Hall as Rusty Griswold. (laughs) (laughs) who snuck on set the day that they they had a closed set for when they were shooting her shower scene. Yeah. And he snuck on set to check it out. Uh, I just imagine him wearing a bra on his head as he does it. Like (laughs) weird science. (laughs) Dana Barron played Audrey Griswold. Imogene Coca as Aunt Edna, who sadly passed away in 2001. Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie. John Candy as Russ Lasky. It's so funny how John Candy can come on these small little roles and just be such a standout. And John, of course, passed away in 1994. But yeah, I agree with you. It's crazy, like such a small role, but so memorable. Same thing with like Home Alone. Mm -hmm. At least he got paid for this one. Yeah. (laughs) 94. It seems like it was just very recent. Yeah, like 2012 or something. Obviously it wasn't. I was like 14 when it happened. But Christy Brinkley as... The girl in the red Ferrari. She Mm -hmm. never even got a name. (laughs) Miriam Flynn as cousin Catherine Johnson. Eddie's wife. Eddie's wife. Eddie Bracken as Roy Wally, the owner of Wally World, who had quite the resemblance to Walt Disney, which is why they chose him. Yeah, a very good casting choice as far as how he looks. For real. Or look. I mean, it's undeniable. You know who they're trying to portray him as. (laughs) He sadly passed away in 2002. James Keach. As the motorcycle cop, a very small, but for me, memorable role. The great 
Eugene Levy as Ed, the car salesman. He's awesome. Also a small part, but. Impactful. <laughs> Frank McRae as Grover, another security guard. Oh, he's the one that he makes him get down like a dog and roll over. Yeah. <laughs> and I forget what he says. I think when he rolls up, he says like, hey, what's going on here? He says the same thing in Red Dawn, except he actually gets shot in Red Dawn. Oh, man. He's the teacher at the beginning of the movie. Jane Krakowski as Cousin Vicky. I did not know that was her. I didn't either. I always thought she looked familiar. Yeah. And yeah, until we watched that documentary, I was like, oh my gosh. Or no, it no. was when we watched it. And we you watched were like, it. who is that? I was like, that girl looks so familiar. Mm -hmm. John P. Navin Jr. as Cousin Dale. Violet Ramis, who is Harold's daughter, played Cousin Daisy Mabel. She was the one that was born without a tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so she didn't have any speaking parts. And Popeye the dog as Dinky. Uncredited, though. Uncredited. That's a travesty. That was Aunt Edna's dog. Yeah. He's played a very memorable role in this movie. <laughs> and then Harold Ramis did have an off-screen voice cameo as one of the police officers at Wally World and the recorded message from Marty the Moose. Ah. <laughs> which is punched funny. in the face. Yes, because I think that Chevy was really frustrated by the end of the movie because it was so hot. And he just, I don't think, has the best temperament in the world either. And he, I think, took out his aggression that he had <laughs> towards Harold on the moose, especially because it was his voice. I think he also, like, threw a suitcase at him. Yeah, he did. And Harold had to, well, they both told two very different stories of what happened after he threw it. Harold was saying how he was putting him in his place. and Yeah, don't ever do that yeah, to me che again. Chevy was like, Trevor, don't throw that. <laughs> yeah, his impression of him was... <laughs> yeah. It made it to where you couldn't really tell. Obviously, this was before Harold had passed away when yeah. we saw this interview, but right. I'm sure they just had that kind of relationship where it was a little bit, you know, teasing each other. Are we to the fun facts yet? It's my favorite part. We're here. Let's do it. Y'all ready for this? So this was an actual road trip within a road trip. So it's like a movie about a road trip that they actually did a real road trip for. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Me either. It's kind of funny to think about. It's almost like they're on tour. Yeah. But filming a movie. They had like 10 cars or something like that. They had 100 people. A whole caravan. Yeah. 50 days on the road. They went to like Monument Valley, Utah, Flagstaff, Sedona, Grand Canyon, a whole bunch of spots. So in the original story by John Hughes, the theme park was Disneyland. But then obviously to avoid legal troubles, all the names associated with Disneyland were altered to soundalikes. And the mascot, Marty Moose, is meant to be like Disney's Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. yeah. And like we said, Roy Wally resembles Walt Disney. To a T. To a T, for sure. And yeah, John's story was based on a family trip that he went on as a five-year-old to Disneyland. That's so funny to me. I would love to know like the actual details of what happened on that trip, you yeah. know? And is Clark like his parody of his, his father, I assume? Right, yeah. And how close was he to that? Mm -hmm. So they couldn't film at Disneyland. So they went to Arcadia in Santa Anita Park, which was mostly like the parking lot and the exterior of Wally World. Mm-hmm. And then Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia was where they did all of the interior stuff, the roller coasters and everything. Have you ever been there? No, I have not. I've been to Disneyland yeah. and California Adventure, but not Magic Mountain. Hmm. I always wanted to go to Magic Mountain more because it was called Magic, Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain, I know. But I thought I had gone there because I thought it was all the same place. I thought like Magic Mountain was part of Disneyland. <laughs> well, but if we ever go out there, we should go. We'll do it. So a character that we didn't mention is the family truckster. 
which is this redesigned station wagon that the family goes on the road trip in. Metallic P. Metallic P. (laughs) But after seeing the family truckster, in reality, station wagon sales plummeted and pretty much evaporated and went away. Chevy Chase and James Keach, who plays the highway patrol officer that I mentioned earlier, they improved most of the scene where the two realized that Clark accidentally left the dog tied up to the bumper. Yeah. And what we saw was Chevy like holding in laughter, yeah. crying, <laughs> was real. Like he was crying from laughing so much and he was having to hold in laughter as they were doing the scene. Yeah. So, I mean, they were really enjoying themselves. <laughs> and Chevy also improvised the sandwich dance with Christy Brinkley, I love which is that. hilarious. That's definitely, you'll hear one of my favorite scenes, yeah. but it's so good. I love when you find out that that was just something that was on yeah, a whim. Just on a whim. Tied in with the dog bumper story, Harold Ramis was on Late Night with David Letterman and told the story about the crew were at a hotel in Durango, Colorado, and saw a car start to drive off with a dog tied to the bumper. But they were able to stop the driver before he got far enough and they saved the dog's life. So did that happen and they wrote it into the script? No. (gasps) Really? Yes. Oh, that's crazy. Crazy, right? So this was something new that I learned. They had to rewrite the ending because they had it where it was a home invasion of Roy Wally's house where Clark goes in and shoots him in the leg and goes to jail. Test audiences did not respond well. To that original ending. And so that's why we got the ending that we got. Yeah. It was a little more fun. <laughs> it was. And it's funny because they told the story about having to go back and get more money. They needed like half a million dollars to reshoot the ending. Yes. But then they also wanted John Candy, who right. said, I'll do it for a million dollars. So they had to go back and get another million dollars on top of the 500000 But that ending that they filmed, or at least the structure of it, is what was used for the ending of... Christmas Christmas vacation. vacation. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Except nobody gets shot. Yeah, nobody gets shot. Also, when they came back to do reshoots for the ending, Anthony Michael Hall had grown like three inches. It's crazy. You know, he just hit puberty. And so as a result, you can see if you paid attention. I never noticed. I didn't either. But there are massive height differences throughout the film. Yeah. And I think it starts out where he was only a little bit taller than the girl's through most of it and then at the end he's like a whole head a foot yeah, yeah he's way taller than them he was originally supposed to be the younger brother right but because he had grown so much they made him the older brother yeah that's one thing that i love about the vacation movies though obviously yeah. they change russ and audrey every film and they also change like their age differences and yeah. all that too because they just don't care like in christmas vacation she's audrey is way older than russ yeah And then in European vacation, they're kind of close to the same age. Right. Kind of like vacation. So I didn't realize this. Vacation is the only R-rated movie in the series. That is surprising to me because I'm pretty sure you see boobs in European vacation too. Well, I wonder if that was after PG-13 was available. Maybe it's just R-rated because of the language in the first one. Yeah. Maybe the language is not as bad in the others. I think it gets to like levels where it's like if you swear this many times. Yeah, like if you you drop the F-bomb more than once, it's considered R-rated, I think. Right. 
But tied in with that, Ramis was worried that the National Lampoon, like their style of comedy, was a little bit too edgy for his directorial style. He made it work, but he said the only thing he was really embarrassed about was that scene in St. Louis, which now is definitely problematic. Oh, but for sure. Yeah, he called it the most politically incorrect sequence I've ever shot. Yeah. And he definitely would have changed it if he could go back and do it again. Right. Times are definitely different now. Yes. It's like many of the movies that we rewatch now that we're just like, oh, like how did that never stand out to us yeah. when we were kids? Right. But we were kids. Right. You exactly. Know? This is something that I actually noticed for the first time this last time that we watched it. Yeah. Early on in the movie, Clark is helping Ellen wash the dishes. <laughs> Yeah. She's basically taking them and like scraping the food off and handing it to him with the intention of him rinsing it and putting it in the dishwasher. He's just there with a towel, <laughs> wiping them off, like drying them and putting them in the cupboard. And Chevy says it's one of his favorite bits in the film. But, you know, I think it goes unnoticed quite often. And I definitely hadn't seen it. It's so funny because... When you pointed it out, I feel like I had noticed that before. It's just been so long since I've watched it that I had forgotten about it. But I was actually surprised that you didn't pick this as one of your favorite moments because you were cracking up about it the other night. That's true. I probably should have. <laughs> it's so good. That's what I love about these movies, though, is when there's just these little things yeah. that, yeah, like if you're not paying attention, you, you don't notice it. Right. But it's actually super funny. And I couldn't find the information. I'd love it if Chevy just decided to do that. Yeah. Because he definitely could have just put him in the dishwasher and the scene would have been about the same. If that's like a yeah. little twist. Yeah, exactly. So when they're at the gas station and Clark is trying to find the gas cap in the family truckster, uh, you know, and he's like pulling up on the license plate, he didn't really mean to throw it. <laughs> but it just got away from him <laughs> when he took it off. <laughs> and it flew behind him and nearly hit the actress and the little kid that are at the pump right next to them. Right. And so the look on his face where he's like concerned is actually legit. Yeah, because he almost cranked him with that. Yeah. That was really close. <laughs> well, we went back and rewatched it once we knew that. And you're like, dang, that was really <laughs> it close. It was close, yeah. So the spot where they jump the family truckster when Clark kind of gets lost yeah, and, yeah. and drives off the road. The stunt coordinator had made a bet with the other crew members about how far he'd be able to jump it. He was trying to get it over 50 feet. And in the end, he won that bet. He got it 173 feet, which is like half of a football field. That is insane. That is crazy. They said everybody was cheering yeah. and all that. That sounded like a good time. Yeah. This was a fact that I feel like I actually mm -hmm. knew. But in the opening credits of Married with Children, when the camera pans back from the on-ramp, you can see the family truckster on the ramp. So it's the same footage that they use in the movie. I yeah, we, that, that blew my mind. I know. I went back and verified. I was like, oh, look, it is the family truckster. <laughs> what? They're like, hey, let's just get some Chicago stock footage. <laughs> yeah. So Kim Cattrall was the original choice for Ellen Griswold. That's and so weird to think about. Yeah. I just see Samantha, even though at that point it was more like mannequin Kim right. Cattrall. But <laughs> yeah, it would have been a total different series with her as yeah. the mom. That's sure. for sure. Robin Williams and Kenneth Mars were considered to play Cousin Eddie. Oh, wow. But I think they got it right. I think so, too. I mean, I think I don't know who Kenneth Mars is. I looked him up. I recognized his face. I don't really remember him that much. Yeah. If you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I recognize that dude. I mean, I think Robin could have done anything. Yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, Randy Quaid was spectacular. So. <laughs> 
I love that scene when they first get to Cousin Eddie's house and Cousin Eddie's drinking a beer, asks Clark if he wants one. Yes. And Clark's like, yeah. And Eddie hands him like his- the beer he was already drinking. <laughs> his <Yeah>. almost drank <laughs> beer and cracks himself open a freshie. I was like, oh my gosh, that is hilarious. I think that they just came up with that on the fly too. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, yeah. And also, Jane Krakowski improvised, or at least came up with the idea to stir yes. the, <laughs> the Kool-Aid with yes. her hand. That I is love so that. great. Because she said she was, you know, she's this young girl watching these actors improvising things, and yeah. she was inspired by that. And right. so she stuck her arm down in the <laughs> Kool-Aid, and Chevy saw her. He was like, hey, we should film this. Yeah. Because it was great. And it was. Such perfect. a good moment. Yeah. Also, another one of my favorite scenes, which I'll get into more in a minute, but with the vibrating bed in the hotel room, it didn't actually vibrate. The effect was done with crewmen laying (laughs) underneath the bed, (laughs) shaking shaking it by hand. (laughs) And Chevy, his voice is shaky, you know, and he just pulled it off himself like. He just made it sound shaky. Somebody had him do that on a show to show them that he could actually do it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I would love to see that. We have to see if we can find it. God, that scene is so great. Okay. Favorite moments for me. Number one (laughs) is something that I did not even understand as a child. Yeah. But it's when Ellen lays her head in Clark's lap (laughs) and- Her head immediately gets stuck under the steering wheel and then the steering wheel is stuck so Clark can't get the steering wheel to move. And then the kids wake up because they were sleeping in the back seat. Right. And they wake up and just witness a scene that they're like, what is happening? They're aware that something naughty might have been going on. Yeah. And I mean, that's the worst to ever realize that about your parents. Oh. And yeah, it cracks me up now because I get what was happening. But it's like, well, and it wasn't even happening. I just understand the insinuation yeah. where I didn't get it at the time. Yeah, because Ellen is specifically like, no, we're not doing that, Right, because he's suggesting it before then. But yeah. then he's like, oh, just, you know, just lay your head in my lap. But I'm sure he's probably like hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it just made me laugh. You can just lay there and do nothing. Unless you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two is when Clark is being flirty with Christy Brinkley. I mean, multiple times throughout the movie. But when he's eating the sandwich, (laughs) like we talked about earlier, (laughs) and he's dancing, it's so awkward, really, when you think about it. Because, like, she's dancing and just being, like, modely. And (laughs) Ellen doesn't even see her. Like, nobody sees her. And he's eating a sandwich, but he's, like, making the sandwich dance. Yeah, he's having the sandwich dance. Right. It's hilarious. And then he's being, like, all sensual with it. And then he takes a bite of it. And then Ellen realizes that the dog has peed all over all of their sandwiches because they've pulled over to have lunch, have a little picnic lunch. It's so gross. And so he immediately like spits it out, drops the sandwich and Christy Brinkley's just laughing. (laughs) And then Edna just shrugs, looks at the sandwich and takes a bite. Just keeps right on eating. Which was an improvisation by. By her. Imogen. Imogen. I love it. So great. And then number three. John Candy, just all of it. But especially, <laughs> I love when they're on the roller coaster. Like, he doesn't want to go on the roller coaster. Yeah. They make him go on the roller coaster. And he's, like, about to puke. <laughs> and I love, like, I think Russ puts his hand over his mouth. Yeah. Or Anthony Michael Hall. But all of that stuff. I think that character was very similar to a character that he did on Second City. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it. But, 
Yeah, it was based on that character. Yeah, which is why they wanted him for this role because it was so similar. But he was just so great. Yes, he was. And then HMs. I think it's hilarious when the parents are singing in the car and the kids are annoyed. But then they finally do like the Marty Moose song. Who's the moose? Moose we know. Marty Moose. Who's the star of our favorite show? Marty Moose. And Miss for Mary. We're Mary, you see. And the kids, you know, like yeah, they, they have like it. this little family moment, but yeah. then it goes back into something uh. else. And then they're just like, oh, and they put their headphones on and, you know, do what teenage kids do. Yeah. The version of like getting your phone out now. Yes. Another HM, just the skinny dipping that goes on <laughs> <laughs> that the pool is so cold that yeah. Clark wakes up the entire hotel. But then that's a moment with Christy Brinkley's character. But then later, Clark and Ellen go do it. And then Ellen wakes up the yeah. whole hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like he got off easy for skinny dipping. With he did Christy get Brinkley. off easy. I always hope that like when they got back to the room that she gave him what for. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like she's just like, oh, I need to step up my game here so that he doesn't want to leave me for this supermodel. Yeah. <laughs> it was very odd. And then last but not least, when Clark and Ellen are trying to <laughs> drink wine <laughs> on the vibrating bed, yes. like it, Clark's trying to be so romantic. <laughs> and the you know, now that I know that there are crew members down there sh- shaking it's the bed funnier. and they're pouring wine and you know, he's like surprised her with this wine and then it's like spilling everywhere and you know <laughs> that that's all like faked as well because right. it's not actually vibrating and the, the wine's just going everywhere. Again, another moment where they end up getting in the floor and then the kids come in because the bed is so loud. Right. And that's super awkward. And it's also another thing that I just didn't Didn't know, didn't understand as a kid. Yeah, I don't think I did either at that point. I mean, 1983, I was four years old. I mean, I probably watched it when I was older. I think it was recorded on a VHS. Mm -hmm. I think it actually might have been recorded this and European Vacation and Porky's and Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. With Dolly Parton. I think we're all like on the same VHS. Like the eight hour long record. Yes. And if not that, then some variations were on the same one. (laughs) And I would get it just to watch Vacation, but then I would watch like Porky's when I wasn't supposed to. Now, who recorded Porky's? Your sister? No. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, mom, if you're listening. I I mean, I remember I can still see the writing. I think it was my dad's handwriting because it was all caps. (laughs) But I mean, those were just movies in the 80s. They were. You know what I mean? But they just had a lot of nudity and stuff that you shouldn't be watching as a child. Absolutely. But I snuck and watched them. (laughs) Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Tell me yours. All right. My first one, when... Clark gets conned into buying the family truckster by Eugene Levy. I love that scene. So good. I love that they crush Clark's car. <laughs> as soon as he trades it in, it gets immediately crushed. Yeah, like, like he's ready to go back to his old car. Yeah. And they're like, oh, uh, we can't get that one for you. But the fact that he goes and like opens the door to get in as it's crushed. <laughs> yeah, they bring out his flattened car. <laughs> I just love that whole thing. And Eugene Levy is is just great in it. You almost forget about that moment because so much happens after that. Yeah, it's so early. But it's really great. It is. 
I was reading that that car dealership is in L.A. and still exists. Oh, it's really? actually called something different now. And the one that was there back then has moved a couple streets over, but it's still there. It's fun. Next up, the one that we mentioned before, the scene where the cop pulls them over because they've dragged the dog. Yeah. Horrific, but a really, really funny scene overall. And it's great that it was mostly improvised because it comes off really well. I love it. He's just like. I had a pooch like this one when I was a kid. Poor little guy. Probably kept up with you for a mile or so. Tough little mutt. (laughs) And my last main one, early on, when Clark is planning the trip, on his computer. Yes. But the computer is basically like a keyboard attached to the television, which and, I've never and seen also that before. like an Atari. Also, yeah, like. like a gaming system because he's mapping out their trip and then the kids start messing with him with their Atari controllers and like chasing him around like Pac-Man. And mm-hmm. they actually used sounds from real video games of the time. Yeah, and then it looks like asteroids yeah, at one point. Exactly. So I found that part fun and interesting too. I was like, did that device exist? I know. I'd never seen one before. HMs, Jane Krakowski's line when she's on the teeter totter with Audrey. And she says that, uh, you know, she's got a boyfriend and she French kisses. And then Audrey's like, so everybody does that. Then Jane says, yeah, but daddy says I'm the best at it. <laughs> It's just like, what? (laughs) Also something I did not catch as a child. No. It is so bad. And it it kind of flew by me this last time that we watched it. And then I was just like, wait, wait a minute. What? (laughs) I don't know that I've ever noticed that line before. It was so good. Also, when they're at Cousin Eddie's, but they're leaving and Cousin Eddie leans in to try to kiss Ellen goodbye. (laughs) And she just hardcore ducks him. So great. A small little thing like you'd mentioned before, a tiny little detail Mm -hmm. that is noticeable and funny. It's so good on Beverly's part. Yes. So natural. (laughs) Yeah. That feeling of disgust (laughs) of Cousin Eddie. (laughs) Next up, when they're at the drive-thru restaurant and the waitress brings the food over. Or I guess it's like a drive-up restaurant. It reminds me of like a Sonic. It's like Sonic, yeah. Yeah. They'll bring you the food and you like put a tray on your window. Yeah. So Clark, you know, they've got a big thing of food. He puts the tray on the window. The waitress walks away and then boom, the glass shatters. All the food falls on the ground and he's just like, waitress. Well, and right before then though, isn't he like, I've got it. You know, like he's kind of like cocky about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need your help. And then that happens. Yeah, so funny. And then lastly, when Clark wants to get just a few more miles in, and it's really late at night. Mm-hmm. Sounds familiar. Yeah. And then it, it cuts to like a pan shot in the car and you see oh, like God. Ellen sleeping and then you see the kids sleeping and it's just Clark dead asleep while they're on the interstate. Oh, worst nightmare. It just made me laugh so hard every time I see well, it. Well, and just all the things that they drive through that they have no idea. Yeah. And then it just happens to like spin and park at their hotel. Well, he wakes up at the last second and like turns the wheel yeah. and into a parking spot. Right. So classic Clark. <laughs> but that's the last one for me. What a great movie. It is great. It was fun to revisit it. And now I want to do European vacation. Yeah, I do too. We'll have to watch it soon. We shall do it. Okay, so because the movie came out in 83, it's only right that we choose songs from 1983. So ironically, I chose this song because I loved it as a kid. And I remember I have like these small little images in my head Mm -hmm. of seeing the music video at my house. It's Billy Joel's Uptown Girl.
Oh, yeah, that is a good one. And it's just so wild because I actually was thinking about the song in the video recently because I was thinking about sharing it on our page Yeah. before we watched Vacation. And I didn't realize that it also came out in, in the 83. Same year? Yeah. And it's just funny because Christy Brinkley is in it. Oh, I'd and forgotten she was in it. Yeah. And yeah. that was like right after they had met Christy and Billy Joel. And, you know, then they got together. Are they um, still together? No. No. Okay. No. Were yeah. they together for a while? Yeah. And they had a kid together and she's an adult now. <laughs> yeah. She looks just like Billy Joel. Yeah. How old would she be now? I mean, I think she's in her 30s. Okay. She looks so. just like Billy Joel? Yes. Oh, wow. Like, look her up right now. I'm serious. I think her name's Alexis. Joel? Yeah. Oh, she does look just like Billy Joel. Right? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and not that there's anything wrong with Billy Joel, but- But she, yeah, no shade. She's, but no, she's she's, she's very pretty. But anyway, the video is a lot of fun because they're like at this old school gas station and it has kind of grease vibes. Right. A little like grease lightning and just a lot of different dancers come in and stuff like that. But I love it. It's just so fun. And when I hear it, it definitely makes me feel of my early childhood. Okay. And I don't really know- what it is about it. It's just that feeling of being like four years old, you know? No, I, I can definitely identify with that because mine is similar to that. Yeah. It's Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. And I just remember being fascinated by that video, but it's an early memory, not quite as early as yours. Yeah. There's like a cobra in it. Just like this little part in the beginning. It just felt like Indiana Jones. Yeah. So it's like a memorable video. And I just love the song. All right. Well, that's it for this one. Great episode, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and I do. I agree. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can find us at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. You can join our Facebook group, which has changed names. It is now called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're slowly growing over there. We have some great mods, Joanna and Stephanie, that are helping us out, starting conversations. So come over there. It's a good time. It is. We're on TikTok at We Don't Want to Grow Up. You can email us at we don't want to grow up at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support the podcast and all of our other endeavors, you can become a member of our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. There you can gain access to bonus episodes and soon to be extra content. Another way you can support us is by giving us a five-star rating if you listen on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a nice review. You may listen on other platforms and maybe there's another way that you could rate us or review us there. So if there is, please do so. Those numbers do matter. So if you could do that, we would really appreciate it. Also, you could help spread the word by sharing about it with your friends and family and on your social media platforms with your followers. We'll see y'all. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.